haven't seen you in person, I'd like to tell you all Happy New Year and let's have a great year. Uh, like I told you guys in the last episode, we're going to be a little more uh, consistent this year. You know, we're going to try and have more frequent content, all of that, yada, yada, yada. But before we get to the new year, we got to recap 2018. I know it's only January 10th by the time some of you are listening to this podcast, but you know, you can't get to 2019 without going back and highlighting some of the great things that happened in 2018. So for me personally, I just want to let y'all know, 2018 was probably one of the best years of my life, I would say. Oh, and if you guys haven't realized, this is a solo podcast today, so don't expect anybody else to chime in. But um, I was seeing close to the end of the year, a lot of people were like, oh, 2018 was horrible, 2018 was horrible. But then when I started to differentiate, it's the same people that said 2018 was so horrible, or some of the same people that said 2017 was so horrible, and then they were the same people that said 2016 was so horrible, and yada, yada. And what I learned from that, basically, was that some people continue to have shitty years and shitty vibes because they continue doing the same shit and expect different results. So I think that was the first landing spot into 2019. It was just that if you want a new year, if you, something didn't go well for you last year, you got to do something different. And I think the reason 2018 was so good compared to other years, and not that I, I'm grateful for every year. I, I don't think I've ever had a bad year. But 2018 was just... I set out a lot of goals and I accomplished a lot of those goals within the year and I had a good feeling of accomplishment. And not to only just say that, but I set goals that I felt were going to actually impact and benefit my own personal life. So just to give y'all examples, I think like my main goal, my main goal 2018 was, yo, I need to find a new job. Like at my old job, I wasn't happy where I was at, wasn't really feeling how much I was getting paid, wasn't really feeling anything. It was just one of those where you know at the end of the day, I, I don't want to act like I'm better than something, but you know, you, you, you know when your talents are not being utilized and you know, it's only so long you want to waste your time. Like time is something you can never get back. So it was one of those, all right, that's my main goal. I'm definitely trying to put myself in a better situation and probably on maybe two months into the year, when did I start my new job, my current job? Probably in March I had started, but like, you know, like it was one of those like night and day and I think the key thing was uh, you don't wait until the new year starts to make those new year's resolutions or and I think new year's resolutions are stupid I, I, I think you should make goals for the new year resolutions mean you were doing something wrong and if you're going to wait till the new year to fix it that means you're going to continue doing it wrong because it's obviously not that important to you to act urgently on it but uh I think that was like the main goal and I just started working on it probably from November, December and you know, the emphasis in the new year was just that, yo, this will be done no matter what. Just to put a little pressure on me and make sure that it got done. And then since then, I, you know, I'm like, I've been a lot happier, just had a lot, I just have a lot. I'm just doing a lot better financially, financially and career-wise, so it's really good. That was one goal. I think my other goal was to run the New York City Marathon, which is probably like the dumbest goal one could ever have. It was something I always wanted to do. Probably when I was, probably wanted to wait until I got older, but the opportunity presented itself for me to do it now. So I was like, you know, if it's here, why not? 
And once again, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to everyone who helped me get through it, that funded, helped me fund it, helped me through training, all of that. That shit was crazy. Like, I just wanna let y'all know, like, if you want a challenge in life and feel like you accomplished some shit, run a marathon. And this is coming from someone who could run forever. Yeah, most of y'all know me, I ran in college, but a marathon will test you like nothing else in life will. And I mean it because even though I had all the training in the world, there's some, I believe that is the only, one of life's only tests where it truly taxes your body and it, it, it challenges you to use every ounce of energy. Like, I cannot, there's no way to simulate the feeling you feel when you're just done. And it's not done like, oh, I'm tired. I've been running 26.2 miles. It's, yo, my body's glycogen stores are depleted and I have nothing left. I don't have the energy in my body to move my legs up and down. It's just done. And then you're just trying to go through series cramping. It's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And to be honest, I was probably seated. I was probably crippled for like freaking two weeks. So that that was painful. But like that was something I like. I understand why people are just so happy to just finish. Like I was always one of those people. I don't believe in participation trophies. I'm a believer in winners and losers. But marathon, that's my only exception to to the case. It's like literally just finishing that in any sense is a testament. Cause that shit is daring. But yeah, now off it's 2018. Now people are wondering, what are my 2019 goals? And honestly, I don't have too many. I like to make them as they go. But I think the main, number one goal for me personally is to just move out my mama's crib and, you know, start growing towards this more independence. I think one of the biggest things when you go away for college, and I didn't yet go away I went to school downtown but I got out the hood <laughs> for four years is you get so accustomed to doing so many things for yourself that when you come back home it's like a complete opposite of what you were used to and it gets hard to like get back to where you were in terms of having that freedom in terms of you know always doing everything for yourself being accountable for everything knowing that hey I gotta go grocery shopping or I gotta cook dinner or I gotta do this and not to say that, oh, because a lot of people be like, oh, you have it so good. I would love to be in, living at home, blah, blah, blah. Bills suck. Bills is bills, but freedom is one thing. Like, it is nothing like having your own space, having your own crib, and just being able to, you know, when you have your own space, you can have your own friends over, you could host your own events. A whole lot of just different personalities in comparison to when you're not running the show and you're under someone else's roof. So... That's the number one goal. And I think the key thing about setting goals is how are you going to get to those goals? So some people, if you ask them, oh, what should you do when planning? I'll be like, like, what would you do in terms of prioritizing to move out? What would you prioritize first? Somebody probably be like, oh, finding a roommate. No, that's the last thing you should worry about. And it's, I think there's phases too. I think phases is you should have a solid nest egg of money in case anything goes wrong. You're able to support yourself for at least six months. And that's established already. That's fine. But then past that, then you need to start saving money for, you know, things that you need on moving. You're going to need, if you're renting, obviously most of us are probably going to be renting as for the first couple of years or so. You're going to need, you know, security deposit, last month's rent, first month's rent. 
you're going to have to buy furniture. Even if you want the bare minimums, you're going to probably have to buy a mattress, bed frame, couch, you know, the basic shit. You just want to have money to the point where you're not moved in and you're like, oh, I don't have money for this. And you got to put it on a credit card. All of a sudden, you're like slowly paying more for things than you should have just because you didn't have the money up front. I think that's the key thing is just planning every phase of everything and making sure that when you move out, you don't have to look back and ask somebody for something. So that's my take on it, and that's what I'm trying to really do. But I got time. But, you know, once I get that all together, then roommates. Got to find them. We'll figure it out, though. But um, before we go any further into 2019, I got to recap the end of 2018. This is my first year celebrating Kwanzaa. I went to Kwanzaa Crawl in Brooklyn. And I just got to say, that was an experience, experience of a lifetime. Um, To those of you that don't know, and I don't know if this is something that's in every state, I'm assuming it's definitely not only done in New York, but the New York one is probably one of the biggest that they have. Uh, Kwanzaa Crawl is a collective event of people. I won't just say black people because anybody can really come. But the purpose of it is a celebration of a bunch of black-owned bars and restaurants throughout, well, this one is throughout Brooklyn and Harlem. Uh, it's a pre-registered event. So it's not like Santa Con in the sense of, like I was telling you, some of you guys in the earlier podcast, it's not like Santa Con where you kind of just pull up to a square or pull up to a bar and like, hey, let's get drunk with people you don't know. Uh, when you sign up into the event, you're actually organized into teams of people who you don't know or they, depending on if you bought the tickets, you know, like I had bought my ticket, I had one of my old teammates with me, but then we were in a group of people that we did not know and you make new friends and y'all all travel to different bars and restaurants together and it's almost like an organized thing to the sense of different teams will be at that spot when you go there. So it'll be all, it's only people that are ticketed to the event. So it's going to be you and other, you know, primarily black people, but they're going to be playing music that you want to hear, hip-hop, R&B, soca, reggae, dance, all that good stuff. And it's it's a good vibe because you, you bring attention to bars that people might not have known about or restaurants. And it, it's really cool because a lot there's a lot of good staples in your neighborhood. And then you kind of just find out, like, oh, this was a black-owned bar I didn't know. And then it just kind of puts some perspective into where you spend your dollar at because I think that's really important to know that our money is powerful and where you put your money at has a huge impact on the day-to-day of your community like I said like that's you know I'm not saying oh don't go to white bars anymore but you know if you want to go to a bar you should go to a bar or restaurant that plays music that you like that makes drinks and food that your people are more keen to I would say so it was a cool event. Uh, just to recap it, like the only thing I would say about it, and I know they caught a lot of heat about it. Hopefully, they definitely will get this fixed next year because it was unacceptable this year. So, what I like that they do is they try to have a very like community feel to it. So they try and have everybody meet up and check in at a same at the same location, which was like a public school in the neighborhood, boys and girls high school. But the line to get in, when I say I waited online for almost two hours and I was one of the early people, two hours to go through a bunch of metal detectors just to simply get a wristband from my corresponding team in a plastic cup. And in my head, I was just like, there's no reason for this because 
this is just way too long. This could have been done in days prior to the event. Or just, you know, people checking at the first bar on the route. But instead, I think they wanted to so much to stress the whole Kwanzaa concept, like singing the Black National Anthem and all of those other things, that they wanted everybody at the same location. But my logic is, if I can't get into the venue and participate in that, what's the point of it at the end of the day? So, like, I saw them commenting a lot about that. And I would just say, like, a suggestion for 2019, you just kind of have to find a better way. They're talking about having it at Barclays Center, but we'll see. But I would suggest that to anybody that that's in New York for the holidays, it's a perfect day after Christmas event. Take the day off of work if you can. It's a good it's a good time. I think everybody would pretty much like it. It's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of cool people. You meet a lot of like-minded people. Like, and I don't want to sound racist, but it's like you meet black people that are kind of like got their shit together for the most part, or at least got a good mindset. Like a lot of the people I met at it at the event, most of them were college educated, or you know, and then in college and everything, or they had something going on with their lives where they at least were employed, or you know, had some direction in their life. You didn't have anybody going in there with the oh, I'm just here to turn up and fuck bitches like. Nah, everybody in there, I felt, was at a higher intellectual level. You could have an intellectual conversation with. And for that, I would say to the homies and shorties listening to this podcast, Kwanzaa Crow is where you could potentially find next year's Bay at, just so y'all know. If you're single, 2019, you might want to, if you're still single at the end of 2019, you might need to go to Kwanzaa Crow. might have some good candidates for y'all because it was some smart, good-looking people. I would say definitely suggested to y'all is it's a good it's a good idea but it was really cool though like i said i found a lot of nice places that i would definitely frequent i like to shout out to everybody that actually ran the event it was a good event once it got off it was a great event it was safe no fights no no police nobody getting you know no unnecessary noise really well ran so Definitely check that out next year. I think their website, you could Google Kwanzaa Crow NYC or something on, and you'll find it. Definitely check that out. But yeah, that's how I close out 2018. Kwanzaa Crow on the light wave, but like I said, New Year in 2019, it's gonna be New Year, same me. Like I said, no, I'm not doing any New Year's resolutions. Like by definition, a resolution is a resolve to something that you did wrong. And if you waited until 2019 to corrected and you were probably not that serious about correcting it and you probably won't correct it long term what i do like i said i will have these goals i'm gonna definitely try and achieve it definitely gonna try and just be more consistent with the pod even like i said a lot of times people say like oh it's so hard it is hard to record a podcast by yourself because in essence you're just talking non-stop for anywhere between 30 to 40 minutes but I definitely realize that sometimes that's what it's going to take to produce this podcast more consistently. Every time, you're not going to always be able to get a guest on. Everybody has busy schedules. You just got to find time to carve it out throughout your day and keep these episodes going. So that's my goal in 2019 as a podcast host, to keep these episodes coming no matter what. Try to keep them on a consistent basis no matter what. It should never be a point where... We're on like a month drought. He's like, he didn't drop an episode this month. I've had a couple of those in 2018 where people would tag me and say, hey, what happened? What happened? I didn't hear an episode this week. What's going on? And it would just simply be, 
not even because I forgot, but just I'm just overwhelmed and I'm so, I'm so worried about, oh, I need to have a guest, I need to have this. I'm gonna do my best to keep the content going. Whether I gotta do it by myself every now and then, but more, more times than not, I'll try my best to have a guest and just be more organized. I think what most people don't understand is like, the hard part about having a podcast is just the organization of actually having everything planned out. And you gotta learn how to plan things in advance. I think one of the good things about what I did learn from working on my new job is a news cycle is really quick. So if you record something today and wait two weeks to post it, it's not going to be as relevant as it was. So many things happen within three days. Like I feel like a news cycle is so relevant, so quick that something's always changing. So if you're going to have a podcast, you can't wait two months, three months and talk about something that you thought was maybe cool. You might have had a, you might have had a concept. That was cool maybe three weeks ago. Like right now, everybody's talking about R. Kelly. If I talk about R. Kelly in two weeks, R. Kelly might not be the might not be the topic of this discussion. You might be talking about freaking Jay-Z, you know, jumping out of a plane or some crazy shit. It just may be bigger news. There's just so many things going on in this world that it's always hard to stay relevant. So the only way to combat that is just for me to do this more frequently. And that's my res- that's my I say res- it is a resolution I'm fucking it but that is my goal for 2019 so get that shit right so that's that but while we're here let's talk about what's hot in these streets I've picked out a couple topics that it's been trending in the news today as of today this is like the biggest thing that I, I kind of want to spend maybe at least five minutes talking about so it was reported today, uh, I don't know who broke the story first, but I saw it by ABC News. The Jeff Bezos guy, the guy, I guess he's the owner of Amazon. So all of those subsidiaries of Amazon, billionaire, I don't know how much. He's like a hundred billionaire. I don't even know what you call that. He, he's billions of dollars. Basically is divorcing his 25, his 25 year marriage with his wife. So they're divorcing, they're splitting. And I didn't really know much about the guy, to be brutally honest, but it's, like I said, in in America, when you have some money and shit ain't going right, and there's a divorce, people will find out about it because at the end of the day, people want to find out who gets what and how much they get. So, and it was, it was kind of interesting. I actually feel it's, it, it's one of those... I don't want to sound stupid, but it's one of those like mature divorce divorces. And I don't know if that's a proper way to describe it, but basically I saw their whole story. So I guess him and his wife both grew up, worked, not grew up, but they both met each other while they were working at some hedge fund or some, some, some investment firm, some bullshit. I don't know shit about investments. And basically, I guess they moved to Seattle they were splitting rent for a one-bedroom apartment. And then fast forward, he's the owner of Amazon. He's making billions of dollars. 25 years later, they have four kids. And then now that shit's just not working. So it's kind of like, I think a lot of times in this case, people be like, yo, she's a gold digger. But I, I mean, she did start from the bottom of homie. I will say that, like. It wasn't like Shorty just pulled up when he had the bag and chased him. Like, so did Shorty. I do find it, first of all, I think she definitely has to actually have felt something for the dude because 
she's clearly like four inches, five inches taller than him, which is huge, like widely noticeable. Not that it matters. From someone who used to be in a relationship with someone taller than them, I know what it's like to be vertically challenged. But, uh, you know, like for her, like I don't think it was for the money. You, it, it doesn't look like it's for the money. It, she she had to settle on the fact that that, 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 uh, that homie was a lot shorter than him. And he was a broke-ass nigga just like her in their early, humble beginnings. So to say she wasn't an A1, day one is 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 a lie, to say the least. So I think what it comes down to now is everybody's trying to wonder how much is she entitled to get. So I guess due to some marriage law in Washington, I guess the way it works in Washington is it, the wages... The, the amount she's due is basically more so based on how much they made together, how much they made after the marriage, which in reality is fair. But when this sucks is that <laughs> he made all of the money, 99% of the money after they've been married. So it's almost like she's never, she's been there through his birthday. So now she's kind of entitled to a slice of the pie. It just happens to be that you're one of the richest motherfuckers in the world. And what's even more baffling is they're projecting that if she gets ha at least half of that money, she's set to be one of the richest women in the world off of a divorce. And I just kind of just wonder, like, is there no loophole in this shit? Like, why is this allowed to even happen? Like, why is someone allowed to get Half of half of someone's money, half of half of a hundred billion dollars, just because they were married to someone. Like, imagine you just getting fifty billion dollars, because because whatever your relationship just could not work anymore. But my logic is, if he's losing all that money, like, what steps did they take to save this shit? Like, was it just yo, I'm through with it? Like, at what point in twenty five years were you just like, yeah, I'm over this? To what level, like? Can it be where he's not fighting it? Like, nah, let's keep it going. Like, can you just say no to the divorce? I know, I would just be like, nah, we're, we're thugging it out. <laughs> we're thugging it out. There's no way you're coming off with that chicken for no reason. Like, that doesn't make sense. And then I don't even know how old his children is. Does that include child support too? He might get put on the, on the hook for child support. And that just kind of, that just, that's just crazy. It was a very mature message they let, let out saying we'll continue to be friends, blah, 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 blah. But if we're still friends, can you like not take my money? Can I not lose $50 billion or whatever the fuck I'm supposed to lose? Or like, does it just not work that way? That's all I want. I just think that's a little, that's a little grimy. But good luck to Jeff Bezos. We'll, we'll, we'll monitor this story and we'll see how that shit ends. Next in the news, we have, and this is really, 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 really true to my heart because I grew up loving it. They are now coming out with a gluten-free Girl Scout cookie just in time for Girl Scout cookie season. Most of you already know this. If you work in any office anywhere in America, you probably know someone who either has or knows someone that's a Girl Scout. That's selling cookies. And cookie order season is in. Y'all know what time it is. And the Girl Scouts of America, they've been doing this hustle for years. Um, I'll speak firsthand. I've had a, 
Uh, I had cousins that were in the Girl Scouts. They used to sell Girl Scouts. A little sister used to be in the Girl Scouts. My mom was a Girl Scout leader. Fuck around. Cookie season. When the cookies finally do come in, my living room used to have cases on top of cases on top of cases of Girl Scout cookies. Like, you know how you walk into some people's cribs and they got DVDs up and down. Or they got some absurdly collection of something. That was us and Girl Scout cookies. There was a point where in the living room... We ain't had nowhere for you to sit. If you wanted to sit, you had to sit on the case of Girl Scout cookies. That's how many Girl Scout cookies we had. So when I say I've had every single Girl Scout cookie that was ever made, I mean it. I've had every single Girl Scout cookie that was made. And they are now coming out with a gluten-free cookie. I don't even know what it's really going to taste like, to be brutally honest. Let me look up the flavor. But they have discontinued cookies in the past. Like, this... They've, they've had a couple staples that's been around. So you had the, the trefoils, which are the basic shortbread cookie, which everybody likes. I like them, but you get trefoils. Trefoils are shortbread cookies. You get shortbread cookies anywhere. And I, I'm not really, like, hype about that. But um, you have the dosidos, which I believe are, like, peanut butter, chocolate. And then you had the, oh, no, dosidos are peanut butter. Then you had the tagalongs, which are peanut butter, chocolate. And then they had the Samoas. The Samoas, we learned at a young age. I never used to fuck with Samoas because I hate coconut. But if you work at any office, I remember my mom used to work at Deutsche Bank. And she'd be like, yo, all the white people at my job love fucking Samoas. And I could never understand why until I got older. A little quiet taste. The Samoas is the only Girl Scout cookie where I feel like if they selling, you probably need to get this shit. Because it's that damn good. It's that damn good. All right, so we got it back in that the new cookie is a caramel chocolate chip cookie. I think that's pretty trash. Ew. But yeah, I mean, some cookies are good. I think the Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies is the original that you can't get nowhere else. Samoas. And they used to have a lit cookie that I love that they discontinued called the fucking All About. It was a wide-shaped uh, shortbread cookie with chocolate on the back. Them all about popping. Eat like two of them, and they were a big cookie. They're about the size of two cookies, so it was a really good deal. I felt. You eat two of those with a glass of milk. Good, right before bed. Discontinue that shit. I don't know why the fuck they did that because they've had way whacker cookies. But the pro- the problem with I've had with them shits is just the price. Back in the day, them shits used to be two dollars a box. You get a nice amount of cookies and you know, everybody's happy. And now I know the price of ingredients and the price of everything has went up. I think Girl Scout cookies are close to four to five dollars. They're five dollars now. A box for fucking Girl Scout cookies. That's fucking crazy. And my problem with the GSA, I don't know if they're called the GSA. I know Boy Scouts of America is BSA. My problem with the GSA is the amount of the revenue share between the actual Girl Scout troops and the people actually making the damn cookies. The cookie houses is getting like damn near 80% of the money. Why are they getting so much damn money for cookies? If that's the damn case, have these damn Girl Scouts work in the damn factories, cook these damn cookies themselves, and reap all the profits. Why the fuck, if I'm buying, if I'm buying five boxes of cookies for, for $25, why is that Girl Scout troop only making really like five to ten dollars for those purchases? That's bullshit. That's really bullshit. If we're gonna raise the price, 
Why are these troops not seeing more freaking, freaking revenue? No reason girls should be going to their damn Girl Scout parades, like the Memorial Day Parade, with freaking holes in their vest because they can't afford a new uniform. Meanwhile, they selling a thousand dollars worth of cookies and ain't got shit to show for it. It's fucking bullshit. And at the same time, I also think it's fucked up that now in 2019, girls could be Boy Scouts, but boys can't be Girl Scouts. So if I just wanted to be the plug for me and my niggas to get cookies, I can't do that. But if somebody wants to come to Boy Scout camp as with a vagina, it's okay. I think that's a fucked up world we live in where you could do that, but I can't do that. That's fucked up and we're teaching our kids the wrong shit. But I'm going to move off this topic before somebody gets offended. Next in the news, we got to talk about this. So we have in California... Which, this is touching because this happened in, during the holiday time. So, I guess this happened around December 20th, apparently. This is out in Vacaville, California. Some area between Sacramento and San Francisco. You know, one of the middle of nowhere. Nobody really gives a fuck about where in California. It's a big-ass state. But, um, you had this guy who, you know, he was trying to, you know, you know how holiday times get. I, I can relate right now. If you look at my bank account right now, combining both my bank accounts in terms of cash money, I have I probably have fifty dollars, and I don't get paid until the fifteenth. It is the tenth. <laughs> so if you ain't seen me outside, you know why. Basically, <laughs> basically what we have is this guy was like, you know, you know how it is around the holiday times. You spending a lot of money more than you kind of do normally do on a regular basis, probably spending money you don't have. And, you know, you're probably in a deli, and you're like, you know what, fuck it, let me buy a scratch off. Now, me, I'm too broke to do that, but some people look at it that way. So, homie spent $30 on a scratch off. I've never spent more than maybe $5 on a scratch off, and I cringe thinking about that. The idea of spending $30 on a scratch off, and then you might not win anything. But whatever, he's, he buys a $30 scratch off and he wins. But what he doesn't know is he thinks he, he's won $10,000. It probably goes to show you the intellect that of this guy to realize that he thought he won $10,000. He doesn't know how much money it is. He can't read numbers, whatever. So he goes back to the crib. Now, this guy has a roommate. Clearly, he's not balling. Most of us ain't. Most people have roommates. He has a roommate. That's not related to him. That I guess isn't really his friend, as you will clearly see. Tells his roommate, "Yo, I won ten thousand dollars, bro." All right, let me be real. Uh, this guy is like from that part of California where they're talking. Yo, homes, I won ten thousand dollars. That's it. I ain't racist. I'm just being funny, but for real, for real. Yeah, yo, man, I can't wait to cash it in, man. So I guess he leaves the the ten thousand dollar ticket whatever whatever leaves it out somewhere where you know it's in a neutral location so when i first heard the story i didn't hear out this part so the the, the shicey ass roommate i guess when this guy goes to sleep says fuck this i'm not getting got so i guess he probably takes the ticket goes to goes to i guess a convenience store wherever you buy lottery tickets finds the same lottery ticket so he basically buys another one of those you know what I mean? He scratches it off. I don't think it won anything. And then he takes it, 
goes back to his crib, leaves it in place of the winning ticket, <laughs> basically, and peels off with the winning ticket. So he's going to the lottery house to claim it for $10,000, thinking it's $10,000. Now, the thing is, when you win that amount of money, it's not like you just, you know, it ain't like you could just claim the money and go to the 7-Eleven and say, yo, give me $10 million. You got to go to the lottery house. For someone who's been claiming lotto money for their parents for years so they wouldn't get it reported on their taxes, I know how it works. So you go to the lottery place or you mail it in. But basically, you need to come in with your full name, identification, blah, 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 all of that. Whatever, right? So, it's so real that the guy finds out the next day. He tries to cash it in and they tell him, yo, it's a losing ticket. What are you talking about? He's like, no, no, no. I had a winning ticket. I think my roommate stole that. I've seen my roommate in two days. So, he calls the police, tells the local authority. And I guess they're really good at tracking shit. Because you're able to kind of just find out things looking at probably 7-Eleven surveillance cameras. They're able to kind of find out when you took your ticket based on the alibi you provide and whatnot. All good. So what they do, which is crazy, is the California State Lottery contacts a guy like, Yo, your money's ready. Come pick it up at the lottery house. When he comes to pick it up, police is there on site. Handcuffs on deck. He in the cop car. You're going to jail. You're going to jail. Now to find out, not only was the shit not $10,000, the ticket was $10 million. So not only were you a dickhead and you're going to jail not getting anything, but like $10 million is enough to, if I was more than likely, your roommate was going to hit you off with at least $50,000. Like, yo, bro, here's this, this, this is it. Like, good luck. You know, $50,000 is probably enough for you to not to pay rent for a very long time. You know what I mean? Here you go. Have a good one. It's been a pleasure with you. But your thirsty ass is just so fucking crazy. That you just... that It's just crazy that greeter do that. So basically the guy, his name was Adul Sasungyang. I don't know the fuck he is. I guess maybe he's... He could be anything. He looks Mexican to me, but I guess he's not Mexican with that name. He could be Filipino or some shit. You be Guyanese, who fucking knows? <laughs> this nigga looks like a hybrid of a Mexican black guy and an Asian, so I don't know what this guy is. But basically, he's going to jail, and his roommate, his roommate's a very, very, very rich fucking man. <laughs> but that's enough with the regular news. Hope y'all enjoyed that. And I'm trying incorporate more of that just to let people know what's happening around these streets on these slow days where it may not be so much for me to talk about but uh i want y'all all to have a really good 2019 and you know just be great i want a lot of y'all to just you know stop settling for what you've been doing and look out for something more i ain't trying to be the mr motivational or anything but a lot of y'all settle for shit as if y'all can't do better. I was, I, was, I, was having, I was having this debate with someone on Twitter. And they were just like so accustomed to like. How something been thinking that that's the only way it could be. So like if you've been a loser your whole life. You should continue being a loser. And I'm just like no that's a losing mentality. Like just because you've been doing something. Like if you've been in a crib since high school. You don't have a. A degree who cares about it i don't think college means anything but you've been in, you've been in the crib since high school you don't have a degree 
you still making minimum wage and you've been doing the same shit and you can't understand why you're not going up the problem isn't everything around you it's you you looking for excuses and you're not doing enough on your end to be better like i said like i look at a lot of the pied friends of mine that don't do shit with their life and it's because of that it's like your priorities is all fucked up and i i know some of y'all listen to this shit and y'all probably like nah, suck my dick or yo lie you shut the fuck up I'm not trying to preach, but I'm just telling you what I see and what I think. A lot of y'all do the same shit every day that that's your priority. And it's almost like, what are you doing with y'all? That's the main reason I've never fucked with that shit. It's just like, everybody I see do it on a regular basis, don't have anything else going on. Like, yo, how many times? My logic is, yo, if 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 you're doing drugs two times a day, and you make a minimum wage, you have a problem. Cause chances is you paying regular money. That means that's regular money from your little bit of check that's going towards that. You probably ain't got no money in savings. You ain't have no money in a 401k. You ain't have no money towards anything, towards a crib. That just means your current situation is the best you can hope for and you don't have no money invested in yourself. You invest in money in all these little bullshit ass pot we we men but y'all not really spending money investing in ourselves and the funny shit is like in a couple months couple years whenever it's gonna be the white man <laughs> profiting off y'all asses for some of the same shit that y'all was doing before giving it to your homie who wasn't making that much money probably but whatever it's gonna be somebody else the government making money off y'all stupid ass habits and it ain't gonna be nothing and it's gonna be no benefit to y'all none of y'all gonna have stock in this shit because all y'all doing is the same shit that y'all been doing like I said, if you got money, if you if you if you if you if you're working on bettering your career, that's fine. But like the people that do the same bullshit, it's the same thing to me as coming home from a bullshit job every day and drinking a forty on the stoop. It's like, at what point when do you just look at it and say, damn, this shit is getting redundant. I'm not making any no any more money. I'm doing the same shit that I did yesterday. When does that get? When is enough enough? So that's what my challenge, y'all. Is just find something that could stimulate y'all that could push you to want to do better whether whether that's setting a goal it don't even have to be a work employment goal your goal for this year could just be like yo i'm trying to go to the gym three times a week i'm trying to lift this amount whatever if you can stick to that goal and be steady and do it every day mentally that's gonna that's just gonna show that you're able to commit to something if you're able to commit to something then you could do anything you put your mind to but if you're gonna continue doing the same bullshit every day every week you're not gonna get anywhere man like one of my one of my goals this year and it's it's a and it's not that i have a problem with it it's not like i think i have i have an alcohol problem i said this year yo i'm only drinking a total maybe 26 times and that's the maximum and people are probably like, oh, you must have a problem if you set that goal for yourself. And I'm just like, no. I like it. At the end of the day, I just stop and ask myself, why do I feel the need to have to do this? And yeah, there's sometimes you want to, you know, get lit, celebrate for some shit, and that's fine. And that's when you're going to do it. But like, ain't nobody got money or time to have a beer, a burger, a beer with my burger. For what? Half the time your ass ain't buzzing, it's just a waste. It ain't, it ain't healthy, it ain't doing nothing, it ain't adding years to my life. So just remove it. Like, that's my thing, is remove any expense, anybody in my life that ain't benefiting me or making me more money. So if that's one of those things, I'm going to take it out. 
It's no reason to, to consume that shit every week. Like, I know people that turn up three times a week, and I'm just like, what's the point? <laughs> you turn up three times a week, and you still live with your mom, and you still <laughs> in debt for your student loans. Like, let's get our let's get our finances together. Let's be better. That's all I want us to do. Let's secure the bag. Let's be smart. Let's set goals. Let's just be more productive as as a united culture. That's all. But before I sign this episode off, I want to start y'all off, start the year off with the Wavy New Yorker podcast contest that we're having. Three lucky listeners will receive a Wavy New Yorker podcast. It is still in production. I will show you how to design the minute it becomes available. This contest will begin from now up until February 28th. Now, most of you are wondering, how do I enter this contest? What is this contest about? What do I have to do? So it's very, very simple. Either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Actually, nah, let's not do Facebook. I don't trust Facebook anymore. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. You will simply take a screenshot of whatever your favorite episode is. It could be this episode. It could be any episode. Whatever. Take a picture of the episode. Tag me in it at Elijah R. Taylor on Instagram or Twitter. Right? And then you hashtag the Wavy New Yorker podcast. T-H-E-W-A-V-Y. New Yorker podcast. One word. Tweet it. Retweet it. Every time you tweet, that counts as an entry. One tweet per day, one entry per day. Uh, what I'll basically do is record all the people that retweeted, all the entries. I will draw names out of a hat. It will be recorded live so nobody can say, oh, you picked your friend. So you will clearly see what goes in. And three lucky people will receive Wavy New Yorker podcast, which is in design. It's going to be a crew neck sweater. Um, once you've been, once you win, and like I said, this offer only applies to people within the continental United States. So, <laughs> anybody outside, I'm sorry. Don't think I have that many listeners outside the United States like that, like that. So, but if you do, you know, I'm sorry. But yeah, so basically, tweet it or Instagram, uh, Insta Snap Stories count, but like I said, once a day, Insta Snap Stories count, tweet it, whatever. All you need to do is screenshot you listening to your favorite episode, tag me in it, and hashtag the Wavy New Yorker podcast. Counts as an entry one a day. You get one a day every day until February 28th at 11.59, which then the drawing will be done, and all users will be notified on the media brand that they um, actually reposted the picture. So... Good luck to everyone. I will tweet about this if you need further clarification. I will uh, post about it on Instagram if you need further, inter- further um, information. And yeah, we're just trying to give out some free swag. I'm trying to better brand the pod. So look out for that. Um, looking forward to it. Almost got the logo finalized and the sweatshirts will be out. Hopefully within the next couple weeks. So once it's done, I'll be the first one to model it. Um, and that's it, man. I want to thank y'all for listening to me for the past 40, 45 minutes. I'm out of breath. Talking by yourself is a really hard task, but it was fun. And I appreciate y'all that stuck with me through 2017 to 2018 to 2019. And we're looking for more great things in 2019. So it's Elijah Taylor. Thank y'all for listening to the Wavy New Yorker podcast. I will catch you guys next time. Stay with
Celeste. Peace.